Well, in the first section of his epistle, the Apostle John describes a number of things that can keep us from fellowship with the Lord Jesus. And we have examined the first barrier of sin and the second barrier of broken relationships with brothers and sisters. Now the Apostle moves on here in this next uh, section to speak about the third barrier to fellowship with the Lord, and that is, of course, loving the world. And so we read in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, the following. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Notice first the words of John in verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Now compare this with John's words in his gospel in John chapter 3 and verse 16, where John says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Notice here that the apostle tells us that God loved the world so much that he gave his son to die for it. In fact, as human beings, we're part of this world. But, but John tells us in his epistle not to love either the world nor the things that are in the world. Now, how do we reconcile the fact that God loves the world, but we can't? Well, to grasp what John is telling us here in, in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, we need to look at the meaning of the word world in the Bible. The Greek word used in both passages in John 3.16 and 1 John 2 and verse 15 is the Greek word cosmos. And that word has, of course, different meanings. It can refer to the earth and the heavens the, and the physical universe that we know around us. At other times, it refers to the human race. That same word is more figuratively interpreted to refer to the things that are not spiritual. They are worldly. And even in a more particular sense, they refer to the things that are actually contrary to God and his purpose. All of those meanings and definitions are included in this word cosmos as is reflected in the scriptures. Now in John 3 and verse 16, John uses the word cosmos to refer to the human race. So God so loved the human race that he gave his only son, and so Jesus came to die for the human race. And John has already spoken about this in his epistle when he says he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world, the whole cosmos. First John chapter two and verse two. And of course, there in that, in that verse, John speaks of the word world 
in the sense of the human race. And, and so Jesus was the propitiation or the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the human race. And that's in direct agreement with John 3.16 that says that God so loved the world, the human race, that he gave his only son to die for it. But when John comes to 1 John 2 and verse 15 and uses the word cosmos or world here, it has a different meaning. When John tells us not to love the world, and the things that are off the world, he's speaking of the world in the more figurative sense. And the word cosmos in First John chapter 2 and verse 15 speaks of the philosophy of this age that denies God and his, and his purpose and seeks fulfillment instead in the things of this world. And so John is telling us that we need to be, we cannot love this philosophy and the things of this world. And this world, of course, offers us many different things. It offers us possessions and pleasures and praise and recognition. And every one of us has been tempted by these things in our lives. But the problem with this is that they are often offered to us at the cost of our fellowship with God. And they become very quickly, or can become very quickly, the center of our focus. But all of these things without God will only lead us to emptiness. Now, Satan often uses the things of this world to distract us from the purpose of God. In the Garden of Eden, he tempted Eve with the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil but it would cost her her relationship with God. In the desert, he tempted the Lord Jesus to, by, to turn stones into bread in the midst of his 40-day fast. He offered Jesus the world. If he would simply bow down and worship him, he, he promised him the praises of men if he would jump down off the pinnacle of the temple. A number of years ago, I saw a bumper sticker that read, He who dies with the most toys wins. The idea is that life is all about having as much fun as you can before you die. But of course, the question is this. Is that what life is all about? Filling ourselves with all of this world, as, as much of this world as we can. Well, listen to what Paul has to say to Timothy about this in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10. For we brought nothing into this world and cannot take anything out of this world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But, the, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the truth of the faith and, and pierced themselves with many pangs. Now listen to what Paul tells Timothy here. He tells them him that those who desire to become rich fall into temptation. They fall into a snare. They fall into senseless desires. 
They fall into a path that plunges people into ruin. The love of money, he says, is the root of all kinds of evil. The craving for riches has caused many to wander from the faith. And through the pursuit of riches, many have pierced themselves with many pangs. And so the pursuit of this world's riches is not without great danger. Consider the words of Jesus in this regard when he speaks in Luke chapter 16 and verse 13, and he says this, No man or no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Riches and possessions must always be held lightly. They have a tendency to take over. They can quickly mean more to us than God and his purpose. One day, Jesus met a rich young ruler who asked him what he could do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus told him to sell everything, give to the poor, and follow him. He knew what the hindrance to fellowship was in this young man's life. And that man walked away from Jesus that day, a very discouraged man. His possessions meant more to him than eternal life. And all too many people have have willingly compromised their faith out of the love of money and success. But John tells us we must not love the things of this world more than the Lord. And possessions and riches can hinder our fellowship with Jesus Christ. Another thing that this world offers us is praise and recognition. I was speaking with a pastor of a small church some years ago who who told me that it was his desire to work his way up the ladder to become a pastor of a larger and more successful church. And as I listened, I couldn't help but wonder how how that fit into the leading of God. But the religious leaders of Jesus' day were trapped in this same mentality as well. And reading from John chapter 12, verse 42 to 43, we read this, Nonetheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. That's Jesus. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Do you see what's happening here? The people who had heard Jesus preach that day were powerfully touched by his word. But the problem was that they could not take a step toward him because they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Their love for the glory that came from man hindered their fellowship with Christ and they could not step towards Jesus because of it. Writing, In Galatians, the Apostle Paul says this in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10, For I am now seeking, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul had a decision to make as he wrote to the Galatians. And the letter to the Galatians was, it was in many ways, could have been very unpopular because he has some harsh things and hard things to say to them. 
But the decision that Paul had to make was would he seek to gain the approval of the Galatians or would he risk their disapproval to gain the favor of God by telling them the truth? And Paul chose to be unpopular in order to be faithful to God. He would not let popularity and what people thought of him influence his relationship and fellowship with God and his obedience to God. And sometimes God calls us into dark corners to serve, and there will be no recognition. There will be no thanks, and people will not even know our name. Will we die to popularity and to praise to be faithful? Or will we let our need of approval keep us from fellowship with God? Now, John himself would, would write about a man by the name of Diotrephes in, in Third John, his third epistle, and listen to what he tells us about Diotrephes in, in Third John 9. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first— does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us, and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who wants to put and wants to put them out of the church. Diotrephes, according to John, liked to be put first. And he drove, and that drove him, of course, to reject brothers and sisters he saw as a threat to his position in the church. He wanted to drive anyone out of the church who was a threat to him. And all of his worldly pride drove a wedge between Diotrephes and his brothers and sisters and ultimately drove a wedge between himself and his God. Now, John tells his readers that they could not love this world like this and God at the same time. If anyone loves the world, the things of this world, the praise of this world, the possessions of this world, the recognition of this world, and that becomes his desire. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If we love the world, then the love of God is not in us, he says. Now, it's true that we're all tempted by the things of this world, and there comes a point, however, when we must make up our mind, is it going to be God, or is it going to be the world? And what wife would be pleased with a husband who couldn't make up his mind to be faithful to her or to see someone else? Well, we understand that in terms of human relationships, but not so much in spiritual relationships. But God is calling us to make a decision. He's calling us to, to either to love him and put him first or to love the world. But we can't have both. Notice how John concludes here in verse 16 of 1 John chapter 2. He says this, For all that is in the world... The desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. In fact, John is defining world here, his definition of world, and what he means by this word cosmos. And he defines it in three ways. He speaks of the world here as the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. And it seems to me that all sin can be summarized by those three definitions. 
And as human beings in a sinful world, we all have to deal with these fleshly desires of the flesh, of the eyes, and the pride of life. And we can only imagine what life would be like to be freed from these desires. These are powerful forces, often pulling us away from the purpose of God. They tempt us into immorality, to covetousness, and to pride with all of its variants. And the battle against the world with all its desires and pride is, is very real to us. But notice what John tells us as he concludes his section in verse 17. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. The day is coming, says John, when we will be freed from these great temptations, the desires of the flesh that tempt us away from God, the desires of the eyes that tempt us away from God, the pride of life that keeps us from doing his purpose. One day, our hearts will be devoted 100% to God, and the world will no longer be in our heart, and its sinful desires and passions will pass from us, and the sinful desires and the passions of the flesh and the eyes have caused so much grief for us in this world, abuse and greed and wars and crimes of all kinds have been the result of these passions and desires of the flesh and the eyes and the pride of life, and they have broken relationships in this world, and they have caused great sorrow and brokenness all around us. But John is telling us that the day is coming when all of these temptations and passions will be stripped away and will be broken, and we will be freed to love and fellowship with God unhindered by the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. And so John reminds us that this world, with its sinful desires of the flesh and eyes, and its pride, will keep us from fellowship with God. And if we want to know Christ in an intimate way, we will need to deal with these worldly passions. We must love him more than the passions of our flesh. We must, he must mean more to us than the lust of our eyes. We must desire him more than our personal recognition and gain. And the question is, are we willing to let the Lord Jesus give us victory over these great enemies in our lives today? Our flesh craves for these things, but they will only hinder our fellowship with God. But the Spirit of God, however, has, has something greater for us, and He can set us free from these passions and temptations, and He can open our eyes to an even greater delight and satisfaction in God Himself. As John tells us, the world is passing away along with its desires and lusts and pride. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. All these fleshly passions and delights of the eyes will pass away and we'll be freed one day from them. But God will endure and he will be our delight 
forevermore. And so Paul, or John rather, challenges us as believers to consider whether we are willing to deal with these fleshly passions and desires and pride. And he challenges us to put these aside and to seek him for victory over these temptations because they will only keep us from fellowship with him. And may God give to us all the grace to desire victory. This is the work of the Spirit of God in all who will come to him and cry out to him for victory over these desires and pride. God, give us victory so that we can know fellowship with you.